You are listening to the Desire to Retire podcast. The podcast that reduces that sense of feeling overwhelmed when you think about your retirement. You can go from woe to wow with your retirement plan. I'm your host, Estelle Kelly. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Desire to Retire, Ready or Not. We know what we are retiring from. Less certain is what we are retiring to. Hello, I'm Estelle Kelly, Retirement Life Coach, and together with Alice Mantel, a Sydney-based lawyer and author, we are going to dispel some of the unknowns and uncertainties that professionals have when they begin to think about retirement. To get together, Alice and I hope to impart some really useful information to enable listeners to face retirement and retirement planning without fear. Alice is the author of Every Woman's Guide to Retirement, a comprehensive book for Australians. And you can um, purchase a, a hard copy of this book or an electronic um, copy at Alice's website, manteladvisory.com.au. Just recapping, um, in this series of Facing Retirement Without Fear, this segment is um, future-proofing um, your retirement. And so far, we've spent uh, some time looking at housing. Now, we found that we ended up with part one and part two. But today, Alice is going to help us. Uh, we're going to deep uh, further into finance. But Alice, to begin with, what do you mean by future-proofing your retirement? Well, as much as we're possible, uh, the idea is to put in place uh, some steps that will minimise the effect of any unexpected shocks or issues that can arise at any time. We don't, we can't anticipate the future. We don't know what's going to happen, but we can put in some steps to minimize the effect on us. It's a, a bit of the case of preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. If you think about it, at the age of 65, you can expect to live another 20 to 25 years and an awful lot can happen in that period. We could have an accident or we could just have a disability. We could have a chronic disease. All of those things require putting in some steps that can make the impact of those sorts of conditions far less. And there are things you can do to protect your own interests. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to talk about finance today, but I want to make sure and I just want to stress, I don't consider myself a financial advisor. I do actually have a piece of paper somewhere which says I, I did a, a little certificate <laughs> in financial planning, but I'm not relying on that. Mm -hmm. What I am relying on is um, a, a lot of very serious research into this issue and also my experience as a family lawyer. Now, one of the things in family law is, of course, when, when people, when couples decide to split, is the issue of finances. And it was incredibly disappointing to me to find out that many women, and this is not age specific, let me just say this, it's young women, old women, any women. There are a lot of women who simply are not very interested in the detail of their financial situation. 
firstly, that they might not be personally interested because they think it's really boring. Mm -hmm. Or secondly, they might actually be prevented from having a, a role in the financial decision making. So the partner says, I can look after the finances, just sign here, dear, and you'll be right. <laughs> and let me just say, this is not about education necessarily. Um, and it's not about income. This happens an awful lot um, across the board mm. where women just simply say, well, that partner's doing a good job. Everything gets paid, you know, that they've organised the mortgage, whatever, and they just go along with it. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, that has very serious ramifications as you get older. Yeah, so that's... Um... Uh, that, that sense of having a control over your personal finances. Um, yeah. And um, like you say, we can't, uh, we don't know what's around the corner, but we can do something to at least prepare for what's ahead. Yeah. So um, now how interested are people in their finances? Speaking personally, I know in a couple of decades before this one that I'm in at the moment, I thought, not like your first point, Alice. So boring. <laughs> but, oh boy. Yes. It is. And, and that's really true. Um, and I think there's a convention in our society that women aren't good at numbers. Let me just say, I don't think that's the case at all, because most women run the household budget. They know how much they spend on food. They know how much the kids' uniforms cost, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think the role of women in managing household finances is very under, undervalued. And just to prove it, I've got a little quick quiz that I'm going to just, just read out Good and see you. how many of our listeners <laughs> actually know the answers to these questions. So first question, do you have a mortgage? If so, who is your lender? Two, how much do you still owe on your mortgage? Three, do you know how much you owe on your credit card today? Can you tell me what the rate of your credit card is? And if you've got several, what the different rates are? Well, <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you not many people know that. No, that's true. Okay. And the final question, it's, as I said, it's only going to be a little question. Can you name two upcoming bills in, in this month, February, um, uh, that are due this month? and how much they're going to be. So the question for you is, how do you feel about that? Do you think that you're in control of your finances? Mm. So the idea of future-proofing is to say to you, know how much, be able to answer those questions easily and say, yes, I know. It's not, it, it gives you a sense of control about these events. It gives you a, a sense of control about knowing how much your income is and can you manage to pay those various bills off. It's not a guarantee. Future-proofing in this sense is not a guarantee, but it is certainly better than doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to retirement, um, you know, we are encouraged to plan financially for retirement. All the advertising that we see on our screens every day is all about creating wealth for our mm. future. Yeah, but that's, that sense of control, I think you're so right, Alice, that, you know, it's just overwhelming if unless we do 
try to take some steps to manage things ourselves. And um, this is where your advice is helping us to reduce the fear, uh, which creates that. that feeling of being overwhelmed. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I agree with everything that you've said so far, Alice. Okay, <laughs> so, um, okay, so if we're going to take back uh, more of a sense of control uh, over our finances, what are the things that you would recommend that we do? What are some steps we can take? Well, there's a whole lot of things. They're really simple, um, but they do require some effort. So the first thing is review your debt. Now, it's such a simple thing, but you've got credit card debts, you might have personal loans, and then I'm going to talk about mortgages kind of separate to this. But so pay off those debts which are, have the highest interest first. So credit card debts, do not leave them just sitting there. Because if you were to look at, at your credit card statement, you would see a little, little message that says, if you only pay off the minimum amount of this debt, of this bill, you're likely to owe X amount of dollars uh, in 10 years time. Mm -hmm. And that is not what you want. You need to be paying off your credit card debt as much as possible every single month. Because the, the wonder that is compound interest that we all know about, which helps us accumulate savings, also helps us accumulate, accumulate debts. So okay, Alice, need... sorry, yes. can I just interrupt you there? Look, I'm not sure that everybody does know about compound interest so, so can you just explain that before you go on <laughs> well I wouldn't sound great it's just that that interest it's interest upon interest upon interest basically so you have an amount of a hundred dollars so at the end of a year you might have a debt of a hundred or a savings of 110 and then the next amount of interest goes is not on a hundred but it's on 110 dollars so you get another little bit so, but in terms of debt, when your interest rate, and, and let me say a lot of credit card debts are in fact something like anywhere up to 21% per annum, that is a lot of money. Mm. And the best thing you can do is to be paying that off first. You can also go around looking for cheaper credit cards. Um, there are a lot of credit cards that will give you honeymoon periods. So you have a month or two where they won't charge you any interest or the rate of interest that, you, that they charge is less. So I would say you can certainly do better than 21%. You can do better than 17%. Most bank, you know, banks are quite competitive on this, it, but it does require a bit of effort on your part to find something, um, that it, a credit card that is less than what you're paying. And certainly anything like a personal loan or a loan for your car, that kind of thing, you need to be paying that off as quickly as possible and mm -hmm. far in advance. Because approaching a period when you're not going to have um, the same income that you've got, and that, that is the, the case about retirement, you really, that is, you will not have the same amount coming in. Mm -hmm. You have to reduce the amount of debt, which brings me to my next point. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, um, it's reducing your expenses. Now, I'm not into, into serious amounts of austerity, but I do think we have a fairly wasteful kind of lifestyle. Think about the things that you will no longer need when you're retired. And in fact, you know, in this COVID period, I think it's really interesting. We don't need the same level of work clothes. We don't need to spend money on nice shoes, nice suits, nice um, makeup, all that kind of thing. Um, 
we can reduce those costs. Uh, spontaneously going out to eat all the time, that actually eats into our uh, um, income that we have, funds that we have left and that's available to us. And the good thing is that if you think about it, you can actually declutter your house, get rid of all those clothes that you're no longer wearing um, and have a bit more space around your house. Yeah. You don't have to be uh, totally austere about it, but you can save money where, you, where possible mm -hmm. and that will give you more money in the end. There's also these days one of those really unseen expenses is things like car insurance, medical insurance, which I'm, and I am one of these, I must admit, I tend to just roll over. The end of the year comes, they send me a, a reminder saying pay the insurance, and I do. But, you know, there's a lot of, of, of comparing the market out there. You can usually do a lot better, particularly in medical insurance. I think um, it's a serious expense that tends to be quite unnoticed. Yeah. And, and, um, it can be a real savings of hundreds of dollars every year. Yeah. And, and, and how do you know whether you're spending, how much you're spending? If you ever had to do in the, in the last couple of years an application for a mortgage, they give you a, a, a budget tracker and they ask you how much do you really spend? Now, they banks know they're, they're sort of these averages that they look at. But it's actually a very useful tool to see what you're doing with your money. Mm -hmm. You know, and I am, I have to say, I'm one of these people. I have my like to have my coffee outside the house once a day. You know, that's, yep. so let's just say $5 a day, five days a week. So $25 a week times 52, whatever that comes to, it mm -hmm. entered the thousands, you know. Um, by the time you just, and that's a little thing like coffee. And then you might have the spontaneous well I'll have I'll have lunch outside yes. and then and then the other problem that we tend to have um, is we're locked at home we're a bit bored we think mm, let's do a bit of online shopping again <laughs> I am I confess to being guilty of this oh that looks nice and there goes another another bit of money so I might not be trucking out to the shopping center but I am still buying stuff and buying stuff that I can't really wear out. I mean, eventually, hopefully, we will get out to having a, a normal life again. But, um, you know, yeah, it will happen, Alice. It you will know what? Reducing expenses, which is your second way of taking control, um, that was put to me at one time, um, would I like a 5% pay increase? And it suddenly struck me that if, yeah, if I do what you're suggesting, reduce the expenses of everyday living, and I don't need to be hard on myself, it's the same no. as giving yourself a pay rise. So Absolutely. It's a yeah. great way to see it, I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you won't even notice it, you know? It's just no. a bit of self-control about that. Yeah. So I've got two other things I'm going to talk about just briefly. Um, well, one thing briefly. I'm going to talk about your mortgage, if you've still got a mortgage. It's an excellent time to be thinking about refinancing if you've still got a lot left. I mean, my view is that you should be paying off your home loan as soon as you possibly can. And if you're into retirement or post-retirement, you could even use a bit of your super to pay it out completely because your house is an, an absolutely asset. It doesn't have any capital gains tax. It's an asset for you for life. So you can do that. 
But the other thing is, is, is refinancing at the, at the moment, it's still reasonably, you know, they're reasonably low rates. I think the interest rates on, on home loans are going to increase. Everything I see says that. And I would be, I don't know whether you can lock in the same rates as they used to have, even a, a six months ago. Their variable rates and their fixed rates were, the fixed rates were very positive. These days, the, the fixed rates are going up. So I think they're going to increase. But certainly, this is something you would be thinking about if you've still got um, a mortgage going on. Um, and the last, the last point I'm going to, a major point, there's a few other things I'm going to talk about as well, but it's talking about the idea of a reverse mortgage. Now, you may not have heard what a reverse mortgage is. It's So say you, you have to own your house outright pretty well to be able to do this. I don't think they will do it if um, you, you still own money. So uh, what, what banks, mostly commercial lenders and, and private lenders, will lend you money based on the value, the security of your home. Now, there is a government scheme, and I'm going to talk about that um, in a minute, but so the idea is, so say you have your, your house, but you're on the age pension, you haven't got enough money and you're thinking, I'm, I'm really stressed. I've got, I've got repairs to do on my, my house. I need a new car and, and all right, I, need, I might just want a holiday. But generally, I would say you do it for more serious things than, than simply wanting a holiday. You say, I need some cash. What am I going to do? So that is what a reverse mortgage is. You go to the bank and not all banks offer these facilities, let me say that. They say, well, okay, based on the value of your property, we think we can owe you, uh, lend you a certain amount. Mm -hmm. So they, they, these are, they're quite um, strictly controlled because they, they set a value, there's um, a calculation that they do. The interest rate for these kinds of loans is higher yeah. than an ordinary home loan or an ordinary loan. So the, the um, idea is you borrow, let's just say 200,000 for the for just a figure. You do not have to make any repayments on that 200,000. What happens is the interest is added to the amount that you've borrowed. So after five years, you will have and say it's a loan at 8%, it'll be 200,000 at 8% each year over a five-year period. For example, you don't have to repay, but the amount of the loan is added to the, the amount that you owe. Now, the reverse mortgage, in a sense, um, has an expectation that you will pass away somewhere <laughs> soon and you do not want to do anything else. And, um, and this, I've got to say, unfortunately, is the case. Um, so what happens that when your house is sold, the, the bank takes back, will, will claim the amount of your loan plus any interest owed out of, out of that final sale process. Mm. Now, yeah. that's why I'm saying it depends when you die, because if your house is not that valuable, your house value, the loan will increasing, well, the amount that you owe will keep on increasing. The, the value of your house might not increase at the same rate. There may not be very much left at the time that you die, right? So if you're planning on giving it to your beneficiaries, you might not have very much left. So you need to be a bit careful about this. Mm. So the, the, the government has got a scheme called the Home, Home Equity Access Scheme. 
You can find um, a lot more serious detail on, uh, on the Services Australia website, but it's basically the same thing. It's related to your pension. It's related to the value of your house. It used to, the scheme used to be that um, you had to be an aged pensioner. Now you just have to be over the age of 65. So it's, it's quite a nice little scheme, I, but it, it basically works on the same uh, on the same principle that your loan, you know, will be repaid when the house is sold, which could be at any time, really. It could be when you die. It could also be when you go into an aged care facility, yeah. for example, when you need a bond. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so, but, and and yeah. the government charges, uh, will charge an interest, interest, an interest as well. Well, yeah. So yeah. it's the same idea, basically. I don't, I don't know how the two things compare, but, but it's certainly worth a look at. Um, the reverse but mortgages have not been that popular to date. Um, but but if you wanted to do something major like repair your house or something like mm. this, it would be well worth having it. And and you know, you can, you can make repayments if you wanted to. So it, it can work for you in that case. Yeah. So the other thing, there's two small things I'm going to talk about. Um, on, in addition to that, you before retirement, it's a really useful thing to find out whether or not you're eligible for the Centrelink pension. Mm -hmm. It is not a simple thing, unfortunately, <laughs> so they, like everything else. Um, but it's really vital for you to know there is there are two tests that Centrelink applies. One is the income test. One is the asset test. Mm -hmm. So you can still earn some, a certain amount of money after you uh, retire it, it varies a bit um, it's probably a couple of hundred dollars a week um, and and you could still have some eligibility for a part pension and as I, I am I strongly believe that a pension is something that we as taxpayers or for all our lives are entitled to and should apply for in any sense of the word and the other thing is assets it depends whether you're a single person or a part of a couple um, there is a, a difference as to, to whether or not you're eligible. So that is worth going down and, 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 and just seeing how, how that works out for you. Mm. Um, but there are lots of other concessions that um, pensioners, I suppose being on a pension, um, but, but seniors. So I think the seniors card um, is a great thing. I, uh, you know, so it, it, you, uh, seniors card, I just, um, what did I do? I just, I just ordered a, a new pair of glasses I got a concession because I've got a senior's card. Go to the movies, you've got a senior's card, get in yeah. a lot, you know, five dollars <laughs> cheaper or whatever. Um, and travel cards, I think, are a wonderful idea because you can use them to travel regionally on, on you know, two dollars fifty will take you a long way. Mm. So uh, yeah. those sorts of benefits are a great thing. Um, I know Seniors Australia also puts out a discount booklet where you can get discounts for you know work like plumbing or electricity electricians if you need them also worth it in every way i think yes yeah so it's um like i live in the state of victoria alice which is different from where you live oh, and i know awesome. when i turned um 60 or anyway that decade yeah. <laughs> I received a, a seniors card from the state government and it, the letter went something like this is a, a little reward for your contribution to the state over your working life and yeah it was very nice to receive that and mm. um, 
to be able to use it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I still do. I was really pleased that I I went um, to my local for a swim in my local pool, and they said, "Are you? Are you?" Looked at me. Are you really a can? I was asking for a concession. Are you really a concession prisoner? I said, yes, here's my card. <laughs> I thought, yeah. great. I'm glad they don't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe they were being polite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, Alice, those, um, you know, just recapping, that's all. Um, you know, taking that sense of control over our finances. You've suggested reviewing our debts, reducing the expenses of the daily living and uh, refinancing your mortgage. Um, and it, like you said, it is a good time um, if you can manage a lower interest rate. And um, then you've informed us about the uh, ins and outs of reverse mortgages for when we might need a bit of capital to do some things. Um, but once again, it gets back to what we talked about last week, the importance of owning your own home. It home. Yep. demonstrates that again. So thanks, Alice. And um, you've reminded us uh, about um, going to Centrelink and finding out what we are eligible for, depending on our um, assets or our income when we hit yep. retirement. Yeah, so fantastic. Thanks, Alice, so much. And also we've just mentioned the notion that things can be different in different states within Australia, so we need yep. to check locally. Yeah, so what else have you got for us today in future? Oh, I've only got one, little, <laughs> one more little thing, that's all, just to bring it up again, is superannuation. Mm -hmm. So if you, it is a very good time to review superannuation. We tend to have, uh, so, you know, a number of uh, super funds running at once. Don't do this. Try and roll them all over into one, whichever one you like. Uh, you know now that they've got the government is producing performance reviews of the different super funds. And one of the big reasons, I mean, not only because you want a good, a well-performing super, although fund, which um, we'd like to think they're all going to be terrific, and but that may not always be the case in the future. But it's to cut out the amount of fees that you're paying on, on having a super fund. Um, and, and that can be considerable. And I, I had an unpleasant experience on that uh, where, you know, I was being charged fees for um, advice. They were called advice fees for advice that I certainly never received. They have stopped that to an extent. But, you know, there are, you know, how, how you have, is your super fund invested is part of that issue because you've got funds. You can choose how you want. Do you want to be conservative, balanced, or do you want to have a high risk? Do you want something that, that really returns a lot? All those things are, are actually require a bit of forethought. Mm. And, and don't forget to make a binding nomination. So what's uh, that, Alice? <laughs> a binding nomination <laughs> is so should you pass away and still have funds left in the super fund, it, it's telling the super superannuation trustee how you, who should get the remainder of the funds that you, you still have there. And it generally does not form part of your estate. It's, it's not usually covered by your will unless you particularly ask for it. So that is worth reviewing. They usually ask for a review every three years. So that's worthwhile doing as well. Mm. Actually, so that's probably yeah. it. Just while we're on the binding nomination, I've uh, one of the 
institutes that I deal with, they have just uh, created an ongoing binding nomination so oh, that okay. I don't have to go back every three years. And, and the other one, um, the other little super fund, uh, they do send me a reminder because when mm -hmm. I first started doing that, I thought, oh, gosh, how will I remember three years down oh, the track? That's right. So, well, the thing is that otherwise the trustee isn't required to give the money to anybody, basically. Mm, so, yeah. you know, it hopefully you will live a long time and there will be no money left. In <laughs> That's what I'm aiming at. <laughs> right. yeah. but, but for some of it, just in case, it's sort of an, an extra little gift outside of your will and it's going to be in cash. Um, I've got it and I will tell a not very happy story about this. Um, the... Uh, I had clients, I had a young man who came to me, and he was, he was only in his early, early 20s. He was in the process of separating and he had a child. Um, he unfortunately took his own life. And there was a question about where his super fund went. So um, fortunately, he'd made a binding nomination and his child could, um, well, <laughs> it was a bit more complicated than that. Um, his his mother, who also he was actually living at the age, when he separated, he went to live with his mother. Um, his mother also made a claim on his super fund, but it was this was so that the trustee could make a proper, you know, to, it was quite a lot of money. You know, he'd been working for some years, and it made a big difference to the to the remaining family. So it is actually worth thinking about. Yeah. Oh, such good advice. Every time we chat, Alice. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, hope. we are so thankful for, for your diligence and then the, the, all the research you do to bring us the, the real picture uh, that's just so appreciated. So um, next time we chat, Alice, we're going to um, delve, uh, take a deeper dive into the legal aspects of mm -hmm. retirement. Now, I know we've mentioned it before, but um, next week is going to be a deeper dive um, and you're going to talk about um, divorce and remarriage. Um, I am. <laughs> yeah, as well as the basic things that you mentioned last time. Um, well, I suppose I could talk. Yeah, I, I was going to talk about it in terms of wills and that kind of thing, I mm. suppose. But, uh, yes, there's, there's a lot to talk about if you're going to talk about divorce and marriage <laughs> and at later years. It's a, it's a much more complicated thing than when you're younger. But right. I, <laughs> let's just wait to see what I come up with. Oh, Alice, you're a gem. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much, yeah. Alice. Thank you. Bye. And today we have just scratched the surface in learning more about um, transforming into retirement. So to get some more clarity and confidence for planning for your own next stage of life, go to my website, retirementlife.coach. And at no cost, you subscribe to my special podcast series, Desire to Retire. And after subscribing, you'll find a what's on your mind retirement quiz, plus the wheel of life, just to see where you're at at the moment in life. Um, give them a go and let me know how, how you went. Uh, and you can contact me for a chat about planning 
for your retirement. I'm Estelle Kelly, Retirement Life Coach. Bye for now. You have been listening to the Desire to Retire podcast. Want to check out how well you are progressing in planning for your retirement? To gain some clarity on planning a meaningful retirement, try the simple, no-cost tools or access this special three-part podcast series at retirementlife.coach. I am your host, Estelle Kelly. Thank you for listening.